Welcome back uh, to Nocturnal Journal's Christmas edition. Sammy, is that is that who I think it is on the phone? Is that is that Santa Claus? Oh, <laughs> oh Mary! Oh, oh. oh, Santa! Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to call us. Oh, I'm resting today, David. What? <laughs> Just pulled an all nighter. <laughs> so you're winding down, right? I'm in Arizona winding down. That's yeah. how rough a night I had. <laughs> when, when did your day start? When did You started last night, right? Oh, yeah. I've been going nonstop, David. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God for Red Bull and vodka. <laughs> oh, Santa, please. There's, there's kids listening to the show. We're, we're on early. So um, I was worried about you with the, you know, we weren't able to, thought we wouldn't be able to track you with the NORAD thing, but you're you're okay. People were able to track you this year and, and follow you around? Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, they, they can shut down the government, but they can't shut down NORAD, Dave. You know how that works. Yeah, yeah. What were some of the... Santa, are you okay? Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm here. Okay. Uh, what were some of the popular gifts for the little kids this year? Oh, for the kids? Yeah. Uh, well, we gave away a lot of your campus book, Dave. That was a big gift. <laughs> You're the one. Wow, the that's kids. great. And, and I, I, I gave away more Xanax than Elvis's pharmacist this year. A lot of Xanax. A lot of anxiety out there, Dave, you know. Yeah. Things are stressful these days. I was curious, uh, Santa, um, you okay? You can stay with us a little bit longer? I know you're really tired. I'm here for you. Yeah. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, we can hear you, Santa. Okay. I'm wide awake, Dave. Has that, has that GPS, has that helped you out, by the way? And you didn't always have GPS. <laughs> I fly by by instinct, Dave. Oh, that's good. good. As long as I have Rudolph, I know where I'm going. Yeah, that's good. I, um, so you you visited uh, you visited DC. I'm I'm sure there's all kinds of nice little boys and girls and adults there in DC. There was a lonely guy out in DC this Christmas. Did you did you help him out? He was tweeting that he was all alone. Yeah. Well, you know. He's been on my naughty list for a while now, Dave. So he he got a lump of coal. He's big on coal, you know. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. He's big on coal. You spent some time here in Chicago, didn't you, Santa? I'm sorry. You spent some time here in Chicago, didn't you? I love Chicago, Dave. It's my second home home to the North Pole. Yes. Yeah. Um, you were telling me when we were uh, talking to your agent to set this thing up today, um, they were saying about, there's, is there a global warming issue there in the North Pole? I mean, talk about how, how things are going there. Dave, it's not good. You know, if you believe in me, you should believe in climate change. The North Pole is melting. I'm losing workshop space. The square footage is going down the drain, Dave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's too bad. What are you going to do about that? I'm probably going to have to open a shop in Taiwan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Santa. That's pretty good. Hey, Santa, why is Santa so healthy uh, despite his age? Oh, eggnog, eggnog and rum, I think. No, because he has good elf care, Santa. That's a topical wow. joke. <laughs> so so um, we're going to take a break in a little bit, but... Uh, what are you and um, what are you, and Mrs. Claus, going to do uh, for vacation now that now that Christmas is about over? Uh, you know, Dave, I've got, I got to be honest with you. It's getting harder every year to do this. I'm kind of kicking around retirement. I'm thinking of shaving, cutting my hair, and getting me some red velvet shorts while I'm in Arizona. And Maybe even doing some Jenny Craig. I, I don't know. Really? Well, who would who would replace you? Who would replace you, Santa? 
Well, are you interested? <laughs> I'm looking for extra work. Yeah. <laughs> like... You got the right name. Ho, ho, What are the keys to being a, a, a good Santa? Um, you got to like milk and cookies, right? Oh, no. Love the milk and cookies. But you know what it is, Dave? You got you to gotta love the kids. You got to love the kids. And I love kids. Yeah, They're kids. Kids are the future. Kids are magic. That's what you got to believe in, Dave. Even with the North Pole melting, you got to believe in magic. Okay. Well, you're gonna. You, do you have any more? We're gonna. We're gonna take a break here, Santa, and, and let you go. Do you have any more visits tonight? Uh, no, not tonight. Tonight I get to crash out. <laughs> sounds like. Sounds like you're doing that already, Santa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, well you've had you've had a good run there. So seven billion presents last night and flew over two hundred thousand miles. Uh, next year I'm going Amazon Prime. <laughs> okay, that's good stuff. All righty, that's radio humor right here on, on WGN. So uh, thank you, Santa Claus. We're going to take a break and uh, we'll be back with more surprises on our Christmas special. If we make it through December Everything's gonna be alright, I know It's the coldest time of winter And I shiver when I see the falling snow if we make it through Welcome back to Nocturnal Journal. That's my spirit animal, the late Merle Haggard. And on the phone from Arizona, Mike Ostrowski. Thanks for playing Santa for us, Mike. <laughs> I don't know if that went as well as we hoped it would, but it was fun. Well, you know, I don't do I don't I don't think outside the box that much, but it was, you know, you gotta try. You gotta try. That was good. That was good, Mike. Thanks so, for having well, me. Well, you know, I've known you forever, Mike. And the Santa thing, I mean, it was no, you know, I, let's start there. You you did play Santa before. I mean, I, I screened yes, my Santa Claus. So talk about your career here in Chicago. You did Santa for Playboy. Yes, I did for uh, the Playboy Foundation, which is a division uh, of uh, Playboy Enterprises. Uh, we used to donate gifts. We, we would have employees uh, buy gifts for uh, children at a school that was not too far from uh, our 680 Lakeshore Drive location. So I got drafted one year, and I went with it and had a ball doing it. It was the most rewarding experience I've ever had. And I got drafted the second year to do it, and it was just wonderful. The kids it started, I think, went from kindergarten all the way, I think, to seventh or eighth grade. And the, the littlest ones are always the most fun because they really they really believe that the seventh and eighth graders you could have a little fun with, you know. Did you see that thing we had a little fun with the president? I don't I don't really want to mention his name that much, but did you see the thing the other day where he had the kid on the phone and he said, "Well, seven years yeah. old, it's a little marginalized." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like ruin it for your kid. <laughs> really? <laughs> My goodness! No, no. Ta- um, yeah, yeah, you're right at that age where you used to start believing in in adulthood or something. Yeah, right. here's a guy. Doesn't believe in climate change, and he wants not to believe in salmon. So, uh, um, you worked. I mean, talk about your. Uh, you were a writer researcher for Playboy Advisor. So, talk about uh, and the party jokes. I think, I think that whole that's a fascinating part of your career. Yes, I spent almost twenty eight years uh, in various facets with Playboy magazine. I was in the reader service department, and we did answer a lot of mail for. The Playboy Advisor. A lot of it made its way into the actual column, and and yeah, we got your letters, Dave. You were a regular 
You were, <laughs> how many problems would you have? Yeah, they, you, we're answering you every you month. See it now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I was lucky enough. The last few years I was there, they had me, <clears throat> pardon me, be the voice or the first person to see the uh, party jokes, which was a natural for me because I'd done stand up for so long. So I was the first guy seeing uh, party jokes by email, postcard, and I would pass them on to New York, and then Hef would pick the final, the final cut. He did. So it was a great gig. Um, when they hired you, was it uh, because of your writing, because of your comedy career? What was what was the hook that got you in there? I was actually, believe it or not, this is a true story. I was hired at Playboy as a temp, uh, a temporary. Remember those employees? Yeah, that's what that's. I'm Back one right here at WG. Yeah, <laughs> I was hired as a temp, and I was actually working in accounts payable. I was doing all kinds of various odd jobs. In accounts payable, and I thought, oh, this is where I want to be because I was uh, a journalism major at the U of I, and so I'm like, I've got to make it work at Playboy. And I was lucky enough to stick around and get through the accounts payable gig, and then the the job in the, the reader service department opened up an editorial. I applied for it; they liked me, and I I made a career out of it, or a part of a career out of it. A lot of fun. Good memories. Good I people. knew you. I've known you for a long time. Uh, we were talking. I, I did review you, I think. Was it a Byfields? Over yes. there in the pump, yes, by the pump room, right? Yes, sir. The Byfields, I believe it was uh, Denise Tomasello and myself and Denise McGowan, who was the MC of that wonderful gig and booked it. And I think that's where we first met. And that might have been about 30 years ago, give or take. Of course, which is impossible because we're both 40. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how, how time flies. But, man, yeah, I think that's where we met. You were one of the first uh, Chicago media guys to review me. And you were very kind. And I appreciated it. And you, I and uh, I've got I, I've got to get all your books. I'm a couple I'm a couple of books behind right now. Well, I'm glad Santa. be quite a cool prolific author well thank you i'm glad santa <laughs> delivered the camper book to people it's like very nice of him how's, how's that doing is it selling it's doing okay for an independent book i tell people it's like independent <laughs> records you know i mean you know it's yeah a, it's a chicago review so you press a camp, you have a camper named bluebird i is do that what yeah I... you've yours well re you're very well researched yeah uh yeah. the book will never pay for that camper i'm still paying for it but uh <laughs> it was a it was a lot of fun you know and it was we'll kind have, of a, to, we'll have to go on the road sometime i'll have to take a break from arizona we'll have to hit the road for a couple of weeks i should come out and, and visit Please. you um see what kind of trouble we can get into yeah what um what was it like actually uh, two questions uh stand up what was it like to open for some of these people and then second question how has stand up evolved over the years Oh uh, boy, I did I I did stand up off and on. Well, not, not even off, almost for thirty five years, and I I started about the same time I started at Playboy, basically. In fact, after I started at Playboy, so I started in the very early eighties. I worked with an improv comedy group. Uh, the first year I did it because I I took improv classes and I thought, man, this is fun. This is like Second City. So I worked with a group we were called Slippery When Wet uh -huh. back in nineteen eighty or eighty one. And two of the people in that group, Mindy Bell and George Adams, Mindy Bell went on to be uh, in Second City, and George Adams went on to be the voice of Captain Crunch. So there was quite a bit of talent in that group. And then I just started uh, hitting new talent nights at clubs. Uh, Hula Hands on Dearborn and Division was one of the first gigs where I did comedy regularly. And then uh, Byfields came a little bit after that at Zany's, the Chicago Comedy Showcase. I've worked with all kinds of big names. Uh, one of my favorite guys to work with is Brian Regan. Mm -hmm. And I think he's at the Chicago Theater on New Year's Eve. I'd love to see him again, but that's not going to happen this year. Mm. Brian Regan is a very funny guy and one of the nicest guys in the business. Always a delight to work with. 
Um, How has it evolved? I, I don't know. You know, I, 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 I think it's definitely changed. I, I think the old school comics, uh, you know, that's the, that, that's the school I belong to. Uh, I'd love to work with a crowd and, and work a crowd. And I think that's important in comedy. I think you have to be in the moment. I think a lot of guys just want to do their act and, and get off stage. I just don't, you know, I don't appreciate that. I think you got to be, be, allow for audience participation if you're going to be a, a good stand-up. And that's what I miss. I haven't done that in a few years. Yeah, I wanted to tell the listeners, you moved to Arizona for family stuff, but uh, you sent me some notes. Uh, talk about the last... <laughs> this is the comedy world, I think. Uh, <laughs> the last real shows in Tucson, Arizona. The yeah. club owner bailed on you and tell what happened yeah. after that. Yeah. Three three years ago this month, I, I was new to Arizona, and a good friend of mine, Ted Holum, I don't know if you know him. Oh, yeah, oh, I know Ted. Okay. Yeah. yeah, Ted is a longtime Chicago guy, and he moves. he moved to Florida a while back. Does a lot of cruise ships. Real funny guy. He was he was on the Tonight Show many moons ago as part of a duo named Ted and Ed. Anyway, he calls me. Says I, I hear you're moving to Arizona, and I might have a gig in Tucson. Do you want to do it together? So I'm like, oh, I'm so there because I just moved here. I don't have a job yet. I want to keep doing comedy. So we had this gig. It was scheduled for Thursday, Friday, Saturday in Tucson at this nice little, very very nice restaurant slash bar. And uh, as the week progresses, things get worse and worse. Ted gets into town, I think, on Wednesday. We're supposed to do shows Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. They canceled the Thursday show on us, and right away I get nervous. And then we do a Friday show in front of a fairly decent crowd, and we, we get a great reaction. And the club owner is, is, you know, I brought my wife with me, and he fed us, and everything was great. We're thinking, oh, tomorrow's going to be a sold-out show. <laughs> And then uh, we, we get we get there on Saturday, and there's like ten people in the room. We found out that the club owner had bailed and, and taken most of the club's money and gone back to England. And the, the employees were helping themselves to the bar TVs after the show was over. And we were lucky to get any money at all. Uh, so that was kind, of, and that was actually the last day show I did. So maybe that maybe the, the writing was on the wall at that point. It's. It's you know I don't know yeah the the comedy world I've heard similar story I mean you know different stories but still but sometimes dark stories it's a, it's really a tough world I remember when I covered it I mean I had such respect for you guys just being out there uh, naked really I mean just telling your stories right in front of everybody and you know it's, it's hard yeah. work it really is hard work it is but you know and on the flip side of that the best gig of my life was uh uh may of 2012 i was uh my wife and i were going to hawaii for our 15th anniversary and uh i happened to do a little research i saw there was a comedy club literally across the street from her hotel so i thought what the heck i called the club and i said hey i'm coming to Hawaii for my anniversary. I do. I've, I've been in stand up for over twenty five years. You think I could do a five or ten minute guest set at your club just just so I could say I've performed in Hawaii? And the woman says, "Well, I don't know. Uh, do you have any tapes?" Or uh, I says, "Yeah, I have some stuff on YouTube." So she checks out the YouTube, and a day or two later, she calls me back. She says, "You can headline my club." So apparently, she was impressed by what she saw on YouTube. So I actually got to headline her club in Hawaii. The second show on a Saturday night, and she actually paid me. She paid me $5 out of every cover they got for that late show. So there were 58 people in the crowd. I made 290 bucks that night, and, and I, I didn't have any props with me. I use a lot of props in my act. I just was not prepared to do a 45-minute show, but it was, it was, and, you know, you had Japanese tourists. You had Australian tourists. 
people from all over the U.S. And it was just, it was probably the apex of my career. To, it was a, a thing on my bucket list to, to headline a club in Hawaii. It was called Sharkies. Oh, yeah. Right. I've heard. Yeah. That was the apex. And, and Tucson was <laughs> the bottom, I guess. Michael, where where are you born? Where were you from? What's your hometown? I'm a life, I was a lifelong Chicago, and I was born and raised on the south side of Chicago. The last nine years I was here, I lived in Westchester. Are you in Westchester? I just moved now? to Westchester. Seriously, really? Wow. Yeah. I just moved there. We would have been ago. neighbors if I had stayed there, or if, or if I come back, which is always a possibility. You Why don't you know. come back and you and I open up a comedy club in Westchester? <laughs> There you go. We'll do it out of your camper. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, we had Mike Veck on um, in the first yeah. hour, and I mean, yeah. I mean, you've got all these little Chicago cornerstones to your career. I mean, you won a contest from WKQX Radio. I remember them. Yes, thank you. And why you wanted yes. to suit up uh, for the White Sox? And tell me, yeah. tell me the rest of that story. <laughs> Uh, it was a promotion they had. They had uh, Herve Viachez. I remember him. Of course, yeah. And the, the, the contest was telling 25 words or less why you want to suit up with the White Sox. So I thought, well, everybody's going to say the cliched answers, like I've been a lifelong Sox fan. And, and so I wrote a poem on, on a postcard. I wrote a poem and used the whole 25 words. And it, it named some of the players on the team. And, and uh, Dwayne Dow was the KQX sports announcer. Oh, I remember that name. I think, yeah. still, I think he's still around in Chicago somewhere. Bob Ferguson, you uh, must know Dwayne Dow. <laughs> yeah, Dwayne Dow's still around, I think. Anyway, he's, he, he picked the postcard. He said this was the winner, hands down. So they got me a uh, uh, jersey, and they got me cleats, and they got me the whole shot. And they, uh, Irv H. Viachez and, and the WKQX Ensemble came up to my house, uh, which was then on the south side of Chicago. They gave me a ride to Comiskey Park. I think my dad rode with me in the limo. He'd always wanted to ride in a limo. But the kids from blocks around were coming to see Tattoo, and it was just so much fun. And uh, Great experience. And I got to bat against Ron Schuler, who was the pitching coach at the time. And I, I bounced a, a one hopper over his head and ran to first base, like I'd gotten the, the hit that won the World Series. And how old? <laughs> how old were you? Oh, this was probably in nineteen eighty or eighty one. So I was probably twenty five or twenty six. Okay. What your What your dad do? What your parents do? My dad worked in security most of his life. Um, he died over thirty years ago. And my mom was pretty much a, a stay-at-home mom, a homemaker. So they were they were a great couple. My mom died in uh, nineteen. I'm sorry, twenty eleven, and she was in her eighties. I mean, so um, did they have a? I mean, when did you decide to to follow humor as as a path for a career? I mean, were, were they, did they know, have people, a humor background or? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, not not professionally, but my dad had a great sense of humor. He was always cracking jokes. He was quick with a joke. And I think I inherited that side of him. And then my mom was always very intelligent and very, her humor when she had it was very dry. And I think I got the best or uh, of both of them because uh, I think I inherited my dad's sense of jokiness and my mom's intelligence and her dry wit. And I think that, that kind of made for a pretty good stand up. Mike, you should have a. Uh, do you have a website, or um, you should you should build something like that for? I mean, you got these YouTube yeah, videos. You've got such a great background. Just you know, have your bio up there. It's it's really a slice yeah, of Chicago history. Yes, I should definitely. I, I'll have to get back to. I, I have a website, but I don't think I've looked at it or, or dealt with it in years. So yeah, 
But my my videos, my comedy videos at Zanies are still on YouTube. If you if you type in comedian Mike Ostrowski, you can see some of my work that was taped at Zanies about ten years ago. And let's spell it. The, spell your name. O S T R O W S K I. Uh, before we take a break uh, for the news, can you think back um, about uh, your maybe first or second gig and what that was like? Maybe where you <laughs> went. What the, I mean, I don't. I don't want how detail I'm going into my journalism thing, but what the drive was like there, what you thought about, and what was like right before you went on the stage. What, what was that like? One of my very first solo stand-up gigs was opening for a singer friend of mine. She was having a record release party. Her name was Amy Levine. And I went up there and opened for her. And I had, I had just had a year of experience with the comedy, improv comedy group. So I was used to writing scripts. And when I went to, to open for Amy, I think my material uh, sucked because it was it was unedited. It was it, I, I was delivering it like I had just written it. It was very wordy. It wasn't concise. And so I really, I really bit it. It was horrible. And then Houlihan started doing comedy. I mentioned Houlihan's. Yeah, they were at Dearborn and Division at the time. And I thought, well, I got to get back on this horse. So I started cutting all my material and I started rehearsing in front of the proverbial mirror. And I tried to make it way more conversational. And I think it, it, it made a big difference. And Houlihan's was a great gig because I used to walk there after my shift at Playboy because Playboy was at 919 Michigan in right. those days. Yeah, I used to write so for I would them. Do and I would yeah, I, that's I back know. in the day where I would drive, I would I'd drop off my copy yeah. in the office. Um, yeah. Okay, I probably saw you there at one time too, but I don't think we knew each other then. Yeah, I, I don't. I'd come in late but at I, night. I definitely yeah. remember your byline. Yeah, yep. right. Well, thanks, Mike. Thanks for uh, jumping on and, and playing Santa Claus and catching up. I know our <laughs> Chicago listeners know you, so it was really a great treat to have you yeah, on this it's Christmas a, It's night. a pleasure. I miss Chicago. I often think about heading back. I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but uh, I have a lot of great memories in Chicago. Here I'm just kind of working in a call center and cashiering at Sprouts, and it's just not what it used to be, so I need to get uh, get motivated again. Well, thanks for having me. Okay, it, thanks you. Thanks a lot, Michael. Yeah.